Break terror, what the error is. Never needed a shrink. I use my music as my therapist. Trying to follow the path of the grace, minus mistakes. Cause in life you only get one take, you heard me. Game over, lights off, hang up your jersey. Beat the odds like magic, cause I'm so James worthy. Tangled in this web called fame and its pursuits break free. What's going free on, guys? My name is El Niro, and welcome to episode 118 of the Midnight Hour. I don't really have too much to say in this intro, but I will leave the links to the opening track and the closing track in the description where you can check them out. They're all available on Spotify and things like that, and hopefully nobody sues me for having them in here. This is not the usual ensemble of myself, Jack Brown, and Loose Moore. This will be myself and somebody who's never been on the show before, so I don't really know. It's really hard for me to tell what you people like. <laughs> so um, if you like this, fucking leave a like or tweet me or let me know or whatever or just, you know, show it some other way. Refresh the page like 10 times so it looks like thousands of people listened. I don't know, but this is a really, really good conversation. I feel like... It's always a risk when you have a conversation with somebody whose voice you've never heard before. Um, you don't know what kind of chemistry you're going to have. You don't know how, uh, what kind of conversation you're going to have. I truly went into this without a single notion of what to talk about. And it turned into like a, a really cool conversation. I'm really happy that I had it. Um, the, the, the guest on the episode, his name is Sven. Uh, show him some love. Uh, if this is something you think you would be interested in doing, I mean, let me know in the YouTube comment section or um, do whatever. I don't know. It is what it is. So uh, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I hope that you enjoy it. And here's the episode. I ain't seen nobody crying so long. I sit back and wonder how everybody is so strong. Cause I just don't wanna be forgotten. Just wanna stack my dough and split the profits with my partners. This rap's become monotonous. Going in a circle, so it forces me to go in early as my curfew in high school. Yeah, I was the butt of some jokes. Roll my stress up, let it simmer down in the smoke. In the war against whack shit, I'm on the front line. Now I'm in front of the line, they can't front on mine. Everything's by design, everything's for a reason. Now we in this thing, there ain't the slightest chance I'm leaving. power in the verse can stop me. I'm joined today by my biggest fan. No, just kidding. I'm joined today by a listener who, um, from my memory, like from what I have read on my Twitter mentions over the last few years, um, this guy is, seems to be quite a long time subscriber of mine. So uh, I'm joined today by Sven. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, this is so this is the first time I've actually had like a listener. Um, on the podcast, I, I finally decided to let one of you weirdos on. Nah, I'm just kidding. Um, to be actually, honest, <laughs> yes, I did prefer the title "Long Term Fan." Oh yeah, really? <laughs> Possibly fanboy. I don't know what to. I had this really surreal uh, moment about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I was at lunch with my team, um, and we were walking back from the restaurant to my office, and some guy stopped me on the street. And he goes, excuse me, can you say something to me? And I was like, 
I, I like I looked at him and I was like, what the fuck does this guy? Because like I looked at him and I was like, he's clearly coming from the gym or something. Like this, yeah. he looks like he could destroy me. And I was like, uh, like what? And he goes, are you El De Niro? And I was like, yeah. And then he hugged me, <laughs> and he was like, Jesus. man, I'm like, I don't know, I, I actually can't remember what he said, because it was a really weird moment for me, because I went from thinking I was about to get my head kicked in by some drug addict, to, like, being yeah. drowned in adoration by um, a, a listener or a fan, so... Uh, Great. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone from work was like, what the fuck, do you know that guy? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't even know him, so... But, do um, they know, like, about everything else you do on the side so a couple of people like it's on my cv so my um my superiors know and i i mentioned it to i work with a guy who i used to work with in a previous job so i consider him to be a friend and uh he knows about it but now everyone knows because i had to be like yeah you no. had the celebrity moment yeah I'm, I'm famous on the internet so well like about a year ago now like 13 months ago i was in london and you weren't in London during March, were you? Around like the 21st? Of 2018? No, uh, 18. No, no, I wasn't. Oh, okay, well, no, because I got off the tube and saw someone walk past me, turned around and went, it's that, it's it's him, it's him. Like li- literally a moment of going like, is this, <laughs> this could be El De Niro. And my fucking girlfriend's looking at me just going, what, what are you doing as I'm standing there kind of just looking into the distance because the guy had gone around the corner long ago and like i think i think maybe someone who is a part of my like development has <laughs> passed by so i've just missed that because you say like long time i think when I, i'm 22 now and when i was like just before i turned 15 now nah, actually i must have been 15 ish i started watching and listening to your videos and everything Fuck. and since then i've, I've listened to probably every, yeah, every midnight hour podcast Jesus. and all the videos and all that kind of stuff so it's yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird for me to like, I, like I don't know, cause it, it, like if I ever met Hutch, I would be like, I, like I, I'd have to like be like, dude, you have actually given me so many like uh, so yeah, so many lessons, so much moral fiber. Like I've gained so much of my understanding of the world because of the things that you said in a lot of your videos and stuff. And I feel like he would just be like, yeah, no, cool, awesome. <laughs> And well, yeah, it's it's like such a weird because like I don't even know what I really actually ever did. And I, I also like I find it really difficult to listen to my older stuff because I'm like, ah, fuck you. The me of today would fucking kill you in a fight. Yeah, you you know? come across some stuff and you go, wow, I have done a 180 on that opinion yes. or something, you know, something like that. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know that um, I know that you know that particularly when it comes to politics and stuff like that. There are a lot of things I said in the past that I don't necessarily stand by oh, anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I've had, like, this... Like, the pendulum has swung, like, full to both the extremes, and it was kind of... It didn't follow a trend of stuff that you talked about, I don't mm. think, because obviously there's big influences on the side as well. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely, like, a why do I believe... Or why do I think this at this moment in time? And I go, why have I changed that belief now? Yeah. And mostly it's because you went like, yeah, I've, I've changed. And, you know, you learn to look back at yourself and go, wow, if someone had access to my Twitter account when I was 14, Jesus fucking Christ. Man, if I, I've said this before, but if Twitter was around when I was 14, like I would be in prison or something. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's <laughs> like it's not even like like the things of today that people like lose their careers over. Like I was like so far off the fucking deep end 
Like, yeah. I just, like, I, I, it's really actually important that social media wasn't around when I was uh, growing up because the type of person that I am now, like, I am a far cry from the, like, I, I would go so far as to say some of my opinions were extremist back in the day. And now yeah. I'm like, I feel rational, even though everyone feels rational, but like, I feel like I would not succumb to some extreme ideology or anything like that now. And I, I feel like I would be able to coach somebody almost out of that type of mode of thinking. Whereas if the if my past were dragged up and used against me, it wouldn't matter. I, I Like none of my opinions would matter. I would be cancelled and like that would yeah. be the end. <laughs> Thrown off the air. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Like SoundCloud would ban me, and yeah, it would be crazy. Like that would be that would probably be the most famous I could ever get. <laughs> the perfect, the perfect like encapsulation of how everything has developed from like 2012 is there's like there's a tweet out there of some guy saying 2012 Twitter was lit. I could I I could show people how to cook crack in the microwave, but now I can get banned for calling a fat bitch fat. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. It is, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't. I I listen to Joe Rogan a lot, and he kind of talks about it a lot. And it's kind of it's like a topic that I'm almost sick of listening to people talk about. But it is so true that um, I, I don't really feel like people get a shot at redemption anymore. I feel like the whole concept of redemption is being skewed, where it's like, oh yeah, absolutely not. People are more inclined to be like, well, you shouldn't have been like that in the first place. And I'm like, uh, hold on, guys, we gotta. <laughs> take a minute here and understand what moral development is and things like that yeah like moral development in people but even in kids just like growing up you know the whole i don't know i don't stay up to date with all the youtube happenings and everything but Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the young people on there they do stuff there's then there's outrage about something and often they're like cast aside and that's it whereas you know they're kids and they're gonna have as you said like extremist opinions and grow up and learn stuff yeah it's um i actually i i have been like you know the the whole christchurch shooting thing um i i found that to be insanely disturbing because the more i read into it the more it seems like this guy committed this like horrible like it's 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 one of the most disturbing like of these types of incidents i think because it seems like this guy was just trying to gain the affection of people on on fucking 8chan yeah um I I don't know what it is about that, but I every time I think about it, it's so dark and so um, I don't know. It's just it's just deeply disturbing, I guess, that someone can go to that length and not really catch themselves doing it or whatever. Well, that's the thing. It's like they it's a little step at a time, you know. Every yeah. single time, it starts with joking about just like you know a dark meme or something, and in a year's time or two years time you can have someone who's completely flipped or gone off the deep end or whatever yeah yeah do you think that um in in your opinion like do you think that memes have that kind of ability to hook people towards an ideology i am pretty confident Mm. in saying that like memes can definitely be weaponized if that makes sense yeah yeah it's like you see um uh, I don't know her. Na- What's her name? AOC is the abbreviation, but I forget the name. Um, Alexandria Ocasio. I don't know if it's Ocasio or Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, the Democrat um, lady. Yeah. She's like she is pretty active on social media and doing all kinds of like young people stuff in the sense of like her dog runs up to her, jumps on her, they cuddle, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And doing stuff that's 
not to sound old, but down with the kids. Yeah, yeah. And the more you find ways to relate to people like that, who, because, like, memes were around, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, and people who were 18 then are now almost 30. Yeah. So they're, they're like, they're proper adults. They're living life. And if they still keep that appreciation of, like, of youth culture with them you can definitely use that in a way to influence how they think and because it's something that's so readily available it, as in it comes by on facebook instagram twitter literally everywhere and it's entertaining yeah it's uh it's definitely it, i think they have more influence than what i was going to say than what people say but that carries something else with it yeah i don't know but they definitely have some kind of power to them yeah i think i think i don't really know what i fully think about it but like from, from just a very basic understanding if you think about tribes and in-groups and out-groups and stuff like that I always go straight to football teams because that's where oh, definitely, yeah. most of my experience is so like like there's a meme about like Steven Gerrard that he bottles everything that he's never won titles like all of that kind of thing exactly I, slipped I, it yeah exactly and I think people believe that because it's repeated so much and it's used in like it is ultimately a meme and I think that like Man United fans or Everton fans or, or whoever it is like the, the the tribe that's going against Liverpool I think that they're more likely to believe that Gerrard is not that good of a footballer or that he comes with all of these things like mm -hmm. bottling yeah. it at the last moment and all of that um Purely because the meme gets repeated enough, so I, yeah. I, th I think if I can accept it on that level, I can accept it on almost any level. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Um, at the risk of going like very in depth on just what I'm studying and everything, I one of the things I'm studying is psychology, and I'm writing my thesis now about essentially persuasion, influence, and that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. And it's really surprising looking at the like academic literature on experiments that have done that have just purely worked around how frequently something is repeated and how people like it and believe it more. Yes. So in the late 60s, early 70s, um, two Michigan universities, uh, what did they do? Two Michigan universities printed a bunch of Turkish words in the university newspaper just on the front. They had like a little box and they printed the word and that was it. And there were, I think, six words. Uh, one of them was repeated once, one twice, one five times, one ten times, and one 25 times. And it was just like printed on the front of the newspaper and left, you know, for, they did that for the whole year. The experiment ran, sure. Then they questioned people, have you noticed these weird words printed on the front cover of every edition of the newspaper? They said yes, so everyone noticed it. And then they gave them a full list of a bunch of Turkish words and said, uh, can you rate all these words on a one to seven scale of how much you like them? And the words that they'd been exposed to more frequently were the words that they liked a lot more. Wow. And it simply plays into the fact that the brain is more used to it. So, and because it's a foreign language, you know, you have to kind of strain to read it. Even you know, they have like the odd-looking letters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You have to strain to read it. So, if you've seen the word twenty-five times, you're going to like it a lot more than if you've seen it five times, simply because your brain has to put less effort into it. That's so funny because um, I don't know why, but my brain went here first. If if I am looking at a list of horses at the Grand National or whatever, and like there's the favorite, the second favorite, the third favorite, and then like at fucking 150 to one, there's some horse that's a Bruce Springsteen lyric. I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's my boy. That horse is gonna win this thing. And it's yeah. like, like at no point do I even attempt to analyze it on a deeper scale than I have a sentimental connection, or not even. It doesn't even have to be sentimental. It's just I know this, so this, please, this is what. Yeah. Like yeah. you feel and more secure with it or something. There's 
kind of like a biological basis to all that in the sense that um, our brains seem to run on something that a lot of academics have called a click-were fashion, as in you put, there's like an input, it clicks, and then the machine starts whirring, mm-hmm. and the output is almost to be expected and usually consistent amongst like different individuals. And that came from, I think it's, if you take a turkey and you play a recording, just like on a journalist recording device or whatever you call that thing, you play back a recording of one of its chicks chirping, it'll go over and sit on the recording device. Yeah, yeah. If you then take a stuffed polecat and just drag it towards the turkey, the turkey will fucking pounce on it and shred it to bits and everything. So you've proven with that, you've proven like a mothering instinct and you've proven aggression towards the natural predator, the polecat. But then if you put the recording device in the polecat and play it, the turkey will go over and like nurture it and try to clean it and that kind of stuff. Fuck. Purely because it's just the input that it has, click, it hears chirping, where the mothering behavior will follow. And it's weird how it overrides, like you say, it's just automatically you'll think of this horse that's a Bruce Springsteen lyric. You'll be like, oh yeah, sure, that's him. It'll override every other bit of like rational instinct. And I did air quotes with my fingers when I said that. <laughs> nice. That's, um, so my first question is, can the turkey that they're doing this experiment on read the Turkish writing that they're doing the other experiment on? (laughs) Um, the two are unrelated as of yet, though Uh I am fully aware that turkeys have some kind of sign language, I believe, on their gizzard bit. They'll swing it around, make it look like a pendulum. They can tell the time because it looks like a clock, I believe. That would make sense oh. because, as far as I know, all poultry knows when the sun rises. Cause, oh, they uh, fucking do, yeah. Yeah, they they cock a doodle do or whatever. Yeah, contra, uh, you know, just to support this evidence, if you take a Turkish man and play a recording device of a polecat, he will go and nurture the polecat. <laughs> so there's that fun tidbit of information. Uh, excellent. That's so weird, and it's only Turkey that that works with. Exclusively Turkey and and Turkmenistan or, or whatever. <laughs> Turkmenistan, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I could is. not point that place out on a map. Like I could point to the general area. If like if there if I woke up tomorrow morning and and there was a a New York no not even a, no not even a respected like if there was a Twitter moment that said <laughs> people have figured out that Turkmenistan is just a joke that was uh, repeated in primary school I would look at it and go yeah I fucking knew it because like. No one knows anyone from there. They've never been involved in any diplomatic incident. Like, yeah, f- I yeah. fucking knew that was a fake place. And then my friend would be like, um, hey, did you hear that, that Turkmenistan doesn't exist? And I'd be like, yeah, you fucking idiot. Of course it doesn't exist. Like, didn't you know that? Yeah, that's what I would no be no idea, like. did you? I, I would 100% be one of those people that claimed to know information that they didn't know. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. what it is about me that's like that, but I just sometimes I catch myself doing that, and I'm like, oh, well, we're going with it. This is where we're going. There's no such yeah, thing as free will. I had a lot of that, and then at some point a friend of mine talked to me about some fucking... I want to say it was Grown Ups 2, but I don't know why. Anyways, it was just some kind of movie. And he's like, oh, I went to see this movie this weekend. And I just automatically said, oh, it's a great movie. He said, have you seen it? And without like thinking, I went, yeah, I've already seen it as well. He's like, oh, did you like the bit with the with the slides or like the water slides? Oh, yeah, that shit was great. It was hilarious. I laughed so hard. And he's like, oh, there were no water slides. Fuck you. <laughs> At that point, you realize like, ah, shit, they got me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually like it, it's one of the traits that I hate the most in other people when I see it. Um, th- there's a guy I work with who acts like he's the authority on everything. Like he, you'll say literally any sentence and he'll be like, yeah, of course, or whatever. And mm. um, it, it just, 
I, I don't know. I, it's the most disgusting trait <laughs> because, like, I really value realness. And yeah. this guy, I just feel like he has no personality of his own because there's nothing I can say to him where I believe his opinion is authentic. And It has come from him and is not just either agreeing with you or agreeing with what someone just said before that. Yeah, exactly. It, it's really It's really troubling. I remember there was, like, a conversation one time where um one one of my colleagues was saying um he was talking about Venezuela uh, because they were I think they, this was when they were very close to like removing uh, Maduro mm. and um and the the guy was like uh, my colleague was like um yeah but of course remember it's not real socialism and he meant he was saying that sarcastically because that's what people on the left say is oh this isn't yeah. real so and then the guy who I hate goes yeah no of course it's not and then my colleague was like, no, I'm just saying that because people say that. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, yeah, same. It's like, oh, just fucking come on, man. <laughs> Pick a uh, side here. Yeah. People have, like, it's, and I've, I've definitely been guilty of this a lot, but just feel the pressing, burning need to really get in there and affirm that they too belong to the group or belong to whatever's being talked about right now at this point in time. I yeah. must confirm that I too am fully aware of what the current uh, conversation is about yeah i i know that i do it because i was well i'm pretty sure if i'm gonna like jordan peterson self-author my way to this conclusion but ahead, i just i think that um kind of all throughout my life i've always felt like i was punching up and that people didn't really ever see like any potential in me or whatever and I always surprised people when I got good results and I always did it without ever really having to study. And then mm. in the last few years of school, I I pretty much did nothing. All I did was argue with teachers and get into fights and um, it was just like a horrible, horrible time. I still managed to get like a fucking A in, in higher English uh, without like any study whatsoever, which I'm so proud of. Yeah. Um, not really, I don't believe in the concept of pride, but like I'm satisfied <laughs> I pretty much like I, I did terribly in every other aspect I, I like I passed my final exams on a technicality but like I, I failed like I think three two or three subjects and um, I've always felt like people just don't think I'm that smart so whenever like highbrow topics come up I always feel like I have to cut in and be like no it's because of the and like usually I like I, I kind of I know a little about a lot so I can definitely yeah, make myself same. sound like yeah it's it that's like a really important skill though because it's um it's a skill that like for me it does two things like first of all it makes for easy conversation with anyone mm -hmm. like if you can talk about anything that's kind you know all you have to do is like show that you are either interested or that you know something and from there you can just get by in any conversation with questions right yes absolutely and then also if you have a little bit you can learn a lot more a lot quicker so you're talking so like i don't know anything about fucking finance for example well, a little bit see yeah i know a little bit about uh, say finance but then if i'm talking to a friend who's actually studying econometrics or something then i can ask one or two or like i can start with what do you think about this ask a question related to it and then keep on asking questions about what he says yeah and, it's like a learning opportunity, and you're like, "Hey, this is this is socializing." Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, it's um, I, I I consider myself uh, a good conversationalist, and it's it's one of my favorite things about myself because I'm never ever nervous meeting new people. Um, 
like i i met my girlfriend's parents quite recently and on my way to meeting them i was really struck by how unnervous i was like not even a slight like for context obviously everyone listening knows that i i struggle with anxiety um if i'm going to meet my friends after work in a pub and they're in the pub and i'm walking to the pub by myself i could actually vomit from how nervous i am like just like just walking in the door in this place what if they're not there like i could actually like get sick if i if i pull myself over to the side of the road and like heaved like vomit would come out but this i'm going to meet like this <laughs> my girlfriend's parents and i'm like this is fine <laughs> Yeah. This is I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm really gonna make a good impression here and stuff like that. It's Jesus it's... Christ, I can relate to it. well not to the not being nervous to meet any of the parents, but the yeah, heading to a gathering and being like, Ugh, I'm not feeling this at all. Yeah, it's strange. Well it's I actually oh, I didn't almost fail my uh, high school finals on a technicality, but there was definitely like a lot of anxiety involved stuff that just like because I live uh, ten minutes away from school by bike because it's Holland, you fucking bike everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. But these, like, we don't have, you have, like, at the end of the year, you have final exams that are nationwide, and then you have three blocks of school exams that make up half your final grade for everything. And in one of these blocks, I was just so anxious for all the exams and stuff, I had to be driven, like, two minutes to school, throwing up in the car and everything. Jeez. Whereas before that, I'd been academically perfect. Well, not, no, not perfect, but I was good in school and enjoyed everything I did. No reasons to think I would fail. I have a theory on this, and it's going to get too Jordan Peterson y maybe for some people's liking, but it's definitely like the meaning attached to it. Okay. Let's hear like, it. Well, it's. So you going to see friends in a pub and being like anxious about it or whatever, that's. I don't know how much uh, value you'd attach to that interaction, but maybe it's just like after school, I'm going to. Well, not after school, after work or whatever, going to hop down, not in the mood, but going to do it anyways. And it, so it doesn't hold that much intrinsic meaning, but you making a good impression on your girlfriend's parents and, you know, like hoping for their approval or whatever, that carries a lot more weight and meaning, which means that you'll feel like, you know, it's a challenge that you rise to, whereas okay. going to a social event might not be. And the same thing for my uh, school thing is like, I was, there was no threat of me ever really failing, which meant that the meaning of trying to, you know, graduate high school and go on to university after that and, you know, start life, at, you know, start a new chapter in life, it didn't actually have that much meaning. But then, yeah, That's other things. very interesting. It's, it's also hilarious that it's like, why are you so nervous? Because this doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's like existential anxiety of, well... What am I? I have nothing to really work towards, yeah. or I have nothing higher to aspire to. I mean, wow. The brain is like wired to do that. It's wired to achieve things, not to actually, not the, not for the thing itself, but for the process of getting there. Man, that's ah, uh, like I reckon if you told me that like three years ago, I would be fucking all over that, and I would be repeating it like to everybody. Um, me now, I still find it super interesting, and I I I wouldn't discount it. Um, but I don't know that. Uh, I don't know. I actually need to maybe think about it. I I don't. I think I've moved away from um, how much meaning I attach to things like that because um, actually, mainly to be honest with you, it's because when I did cognitive behavioral therapy, um, the main thing that that process does is it attacks the symptoms, and you find that once it attacks the symptoms, they don't matter anymore, and you're able to fight against it. 
Um, and it's just you've you've just reprogrammed the pathways in your brain. And I just feel like if you can just take the symptoms and rip them out like that and throw them in the bin or whatever, then was there that much meaning? Like, is it some deeply rooted thing in the first place? Or is it just like, um, like you know, the, the circuitry was running this way and now it's running that way. We plugged it from AC into DC and now it's fixed. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good man. Well, yeah, it's a lot of um, like coping mechanisms. Yeah. Which there's a lot to be said because another track of my my formal education or whatever you want to call it is in neuroscience so dr john has uh probably has something to say about this as well if yeah. you'd ask him were you a fan of the episodes with him on it oh yeah it's fantastic for me to listen to because some of the stuff you guys talked about was lit- like he mentioned the study that i'd literally read maybe two or three days before Ah, nice yeah it's so, cool it's hard i don't really know with those episodes because they got the least amount of feedback but they're the ones that i enjoyed the most i think because it's well, probably because it's like a world maybe alien to anything you know. Yeah. Because like the whole neuroscience, it's it's like the overlap of psychology and biology, and nobody really seems to get into it just for the neuroscience. They both seem to be either well, they either seem to be psychologists who end up focusing on the brain more, or biologists who are like, well, I guess I just want to focus on this tiny bit of cells, anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's but they have like they have something called a top-down approach, which is the brain executes um, functions throughout the body, and like what you feel in the end is because it started in your thoughts or somewhere up in the brain. Yeah. But they also have a bottom-up approach, which is like if you feel that your heartbeat starts going faster, your brain will like register that and interpret it and go, wait, why is my heart beating? Then you then like the overthinking starts. You go, oh, it might be because I'm anxious for this. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to make myself more anxious. Uh, it's like, I, um, if there's a tense... Like, so say I have an exam, and I have coffee right before the exam. The coffee will make my heart rate go up, because it's got caffeine in it. Yeah. Which will then make me... My body will register that, maybe subconsciously, and just go, Oh, shit, there's an exam coming up. The heart rate must be reacting to that. I feel a bit of a nervous symptom in the heart rate. Therefore, I'm going to just, you know, set all the floodgates open and sweat and vomit and whatever. Yeah. Because fuck it, let's code red, you know? Yeah. That is... Um, it's like a feedback loop. Yeah, that, that's one of the most interesting things that I've sort of, uh, I guess, stumbled across over the last couple of years. And it's kind of one of the main reasons why I, I, I've I, moved away from uh, Jordan Peterson's, uh, his, I guess, style of um, of psychology. And I went more to I I read uh, Sam Harris's Free Will book. Very good read, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. But it, it's everything that he says in it. Like I don't really, I don't find the the whole debate about whether or not free will exists to be particularly interesting because I know that most neuroscientists subscribe to at the very least uh, free will determinism, which is that yeah. you're absolutely not in control of your thoughts and you're heavily influenced by everything around you. Yeah. Um. That was the thing that I, I kind of I, t- I took away most is like just the effect that coffee will have on you. Um, the uh, like 
what what you on caffeine versus you not on caffeine there's like a serious difference there exactly yeah um, and it, th these are things that i never really noticed before like <laughs> i used to drink a lot of energy drinks and i would like i drink a red bull and i'd be sitting there thinking like <laughs> i am fucking like if i have to leave my bedroom right now i am going to die of a heart attack because the anxiety <laughs> of just walking outside of my room <laughs> and they'll then, have like... to peel you off the door because yeah. there's no way <laughs> Yeah. Like at no point did I ever think like maybe it's because of the fucking astronomical quantities of caffeine and taurine and sugar that's exactly yeah. coursing through my body right now. Like there's no way this could be illuminating like different parts of my brain and stuff like that. Um yeah, it's crazy. It all, it all spills over. That's the like the most interesting part for me is like it spills over and has a like a scaling effect. So you having just or me actually uh Backstory: I like I used to weigh like 106 kilograms or something, and now I'm down to 71-ish over what's... like a two-year period. So you're like, uh, what's that? Do you know what that is in pounds? Oh, pounds, uh, like 200 plus pounds easily. Wow. And then now down to what would probably be like 150. Shit. No, wow. like 220. Probably 220. No, 232. I'm doing the math. Yeah, 232 down to one. Fucking 50. Jesus, nice job. Yeah, well, it's over two years, and the, like one of the things I realized was just stop drinking exorbitant amounts of sugar. Yeah. I'd be, like, I'd have Coca-Cola at some point, and then at two in the afternoon, just be like, I am fucking so tired. Oh, maybe because I had half a liter of Coke with lunch, which spiked the blood sugar, and now mm -hmm. I'm coming down off essentially a high. And then, so you just cut that out, and then you start to notice how you feel better. I'm doing, you know, getting more work done. And then because I'm getting more work done, I have more free time to do fun things on the side so you take up you know it just it scales outwards yeah and you can every little effect every change you make has an effect that then allows you to make another change that's going to be bigger which allow you know allows you to make another one which will be bigger and then you branch out to doing more things which everything kind of adds up that's a very poor wording of the whole situation, but people probably understand what I mean. I definitely understand. Um, and fucking, like, congratulations on losing that much weight. Oh, yeah, that, thanks. It was... Yeah, that's tough. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I um, in July of 2018, I weighed 185 pounds. Um, mm -hmm. but, like, nobody believes me, though, because I carry it so well, because I have Pretty such a... Pretty no. I'm actually not tall. Like, I'm 5'9". But oh, I have, wow. I just have a very skinny frame. Like, um, I can wrap my, my thumb to my pinky finger around my wrists. Like I'm, like I am a skinny guy, um, and all and of the way. People at home are doing that as well. Yeah, it's it's so easy for me to do, um, but I know a lot of people who can't do it, and it kind of freaks them out that I can do it. But I could do it even when I was 185 pounds. Um, okay. I'm down to 160 now. I think the lowest I got to was 155, but. Yeah, all I did was just stop eating shit. And I didn't even... I, it's it's also... When I was younger, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and I would never gain weight. And I fucking resent so much that my metabolism has slowed down oh. or whatever that I can't do that anymore. But um, it's... Uh, I was just very conscious of it. And then I, I for a week and a half, I did the Jordan Peterson meat-only diet. Jesus, um, how that good? I'm actually, I haven't actually spoken to anyone ever who's done that. It's how fucking did, ridiculous. Like, how did it go down? The weight flies off you. Um, wow. I lost. I did it for I think ten days, and I lost either eleven or twelve pounds, so a pound a day. Jesus. 
Um, what, what were you eating mainly, and how were you cooking it? Uh, so I was snacking on like bits of pepperoni and salami. Um, I was cooking. I had like I had sausages, but I went to there's a butcher's near me that does sausages that are like fucking ninety eight percent pork. So. Because if you buy sausage, I don't know what it's like in every country has different sausages, but yeah, um, Irish definitely have the best though. Yeah, that's what I'm I, told. <laughs> oh fuck, shot. No, my grandparents are both Irish, and oh it's, nice. So I get that. Uh, like you know, I, I'm I'm slip the sausage. I should not say slip the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. I have enjoyed. <clears throat> there's no way of saying this properly. I know what you uh-huh. mean. When Go you're in, me. yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. But um, yeah, they they have carbs in them. Um, and no one really knows what's exactly in them. But you can get if you go to a butcher's, you'll get like ones that are that are all pork. So, um, mm. I was doing that. I was eating lots of bacon. Um, having uh, like different types of burgers and beef steaks and like all different steaks and stuff. Just um, fats and protein, essentially. No. Yeah, literally just fat and protein. Um, eating the fat on everything as well because you have to. Oh yeah, yeah. It becomes your energy source. But um, yeah. it's crazy. Like I don't think it's good for you at all because you would want to see the plates that i was putting into the dishwasher after this they were like covered in grease and i was like that looks like that like imagine what my fucking insides look like um yeah and yeah but i think most of the weight that went off me was water weight and and just you know like little cheat things that you can get off you like really quickly if you want Mm -hmm. to drop weight really quickly um and then i stopped that diet because if you do a, a keto diet or a zero carb diet you basically can't drink beer and like i i can't not drink beer so yeah it's the one complication mm. i don't cut out everything except beer that's kind of what i do now <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's like my one vice now i like i'll have a bar of chocolate every second day but when it comes to sugar like in Ireland, you can't really get sugary drinks anymore. Um, I'm sure people listening will, will object to that because it's not entirely true. But let's say 7-Up, mm. Sprite, um, those, you cannot buy the sugary versions of them anymore. Yeah, they've all gone sugar-free. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Coke Zero is currently outselling Coke Regular by like, it's like 70 to 30 or something like that in the market share. Um so it's definitely like sugar drinks are on the way out and i think that makes a real difference um then other than that like the only carbs i have really are like rice and uh cheese so yeah is cheese even a carb yeah some cheese it depends on what you're getting but i think uh, like i i eat a salad every day and the only thing that's carbs in it is uh is the cheese so it's kind of annoying but you think this whole like clean eating I hesitate to call it like health focused fad. Well, I hesitate to call it a fad because it seems that people are making some really good, like permanent changes. But the whole like becoming quote unquote woke about what you're putting in your system is that like a is that a generational thing that's coming up or is it? I don't know. Where have you seen have you seen that come from anywhere specific? Uh, that's a good question. I I feel like the so one observation I have is the thing that's leading it appears to be instagram um so it appears to be like a body worship kind of deal um it like i don't think it's necessarily rooted in vanity um but the number of people i know who are who are personal trainers now is insane like that's skyrocketing yeah um 
No, it's definitely not a vanity thing, or it might start out as a vanity thing. Yeah, but, but it, it very becomes quickly, like an yeah. addiction, or not, maybe not an addiction, but like a philosophy, like a way of life. Yeah, well, people like routine and certainty, so if you give them like every, you know, like every other day they will go to the gym and they have a planned time for it, yeah. there's no, like, if there's nothing to call, like to make them deviate from that, yeah. Why stop? Because they they're getting in shape, but they're probably feeling like I noticed that as I lost weight and started exercising more, that I felt better, I focused better, I could fucking. I don't know if this is just confirmation bias from me, but I feel mm. like my eyesight got better. I actually genuinely believe that it did. I noticed that. Um, so I wear glasses. Well, I wear contacts, but um, Same. I yeah, I require glasses. Um. My ability to see without my contacts in is heavily dependent on what I've eaten that day. And I've noticed it, but I, I haven't been able to pinpoint exactly what it is that I can eat that makes my vision better. But uh, my couch downstairs, I can see the TV. If I'm watching football, um, if I've eaten like heartily that day and not had any shit, um, when I look at the scoreboard, I can see it. I can tell what time it is in the game. If I'm hungry, I cannot see the fucking thing. It's blurry. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. It's down to focus. Like being hungry has a huge effect on human decision making and behavior and everything. Yeah. Like they've, if you go to a doctor at nine a.m. versus going at four p.m., the odds of him making a mistake in diagnosis or any kind of treatment procedure are astronomically higher. Yeah. Um, if you give parole officers, um, yes, I love this one. Oh, you know this one? Yeah. Give yeah. it, give it to the listeners. If you give parole officers cases to review right before lunch they'll deny most of them and then if you give a different group or the same group different case uh, the same cases different names maybe uh, if you give them cases after lunch they'll you know take more time to review them and pass a lot more of them yeah so just simple things like hunger there's yeah they cause massive swings in behavior which yeah. and it makes sense because historically humans do a lot of stuff over food like charity dinners, there's a reason they give people dinner and then ask them for huge donations, because once they're happy and satiated and not hungry and possibly slightly inebriated, they're gonna donate a lot more. Who do you think figured that out? I think it's oh, it's a hundred percent some. I don't know, some guy named Joseph in eight thousand AD, uh, eight thousand BC. Like <laughs> it's such an ancient, ancient yeah, concept. Yeah. Uh, Offering food when you turn up to a try. If you turn up, um, what's it? My cousin went on this uh, like trek through the through South America somewhere with a bunch of student friends, and they were planning on spending the night with some village, like some like not, they're not like untouched by man or whatever, but they're definitely like isolated. Mm -hmm. On this trek, you come, uh, they passed by them, and they had to catch a uh, catch a pig and bring it as an offering. Because food has that bonding thing. Wow. It's like based on the reciprocity like instinct that people have. It's like, you know, repay what you get given in kind. Yeah. So they turn up bringing food that they spent, you know, exerted energy, uh, exerted effort, spent energy on catching. Therefore, the people will, you know, give them shelter for a night. And then it's like, yeah, it's the rule of hospitality also. Like That's... a lot of ancient Greek stories have that. You don't kill someone who comes to your house and brings you an offer. Yeah, that's true. I I like the I like the way we figure things out when we're not studying that 
particular thing. I don't know if that will make sense, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are so many things we understand about human nature purely because of capitalism and like what people tend to do when they're swayed towards one product or another or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Like, no, like, you know, fucking Nestle didn't set out like, what do humans do when confronted with, like, they set out like, can we sell this? And like, yeah, they exactly. test a bunch of products and people go towards one and they're like, all right, yes, we can. And then from that, we can glean that humans do this <laughs> and that they're more likely to, I, I think that that's fucking awesome. I know a lot of people are like, that's the devil. We should be not finding things out that way. But like, it's, it's just really interesting to me that there are so many cheat codes for like, they, they found out like, I don't know, 10 years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, in Hollywood that people are more likely to go see your movie if you market it where the blue guys are, sorry, the good guys are, are, are shown on screen in like a blue tint and the bad guys have an orange tint. Yep. And like those two colors, when they are opposed on a poster, people are more likely to go see it. Stuff like that. I fucking yeah. love that. I don't know. It, it's so like a little shortcut into the, the window of the pleb <laughs> to see stuff based on colors or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, humans are very visual, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know have... that like if, if I actually, this is a great fucking moment to say this to you because um, remember Our Lady Peace released the they their most recent album Somethingness. They did it in like two separate EPs at first. Yeah, they released three and then they released the whole album like a couple months after. Yeah, and the EPs like the fucking cover art was garbage. Like the way they were presented was so poor. Like coming yeah. in this like WinRAR fucking file or whatever. <laughs> and then when it comes out as, as an album, like it's called Somethingness, which is a, a great title. Um, the, the cover has that stupid art in it, but it's compacted into one little thing as part of a bigger picture around yeah. it. And all of a sudden, I go from thinking, from being completely indifferent about these songs, from one of my favorite bands of all, one of the most important bands of my whole life, and then I go to being like, this, this is good. This project I can get behind. This is yeah, a cohesive piece this. of work. Like, yeah, crazy. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> I have no idea. It's it's. I have no idea. I actually have no idea. This is something I should be looking like. It's. I know it's a subheading in my in my in the thesis I'm writing right now. That's awesome. Um, but I haven't actually looked into much of it yet. But no, I'm definitely aware that you like the amount of processing that we do with our eyes. Yeah. Is ridiculous. Essentially, a quarter of the brain is devoted to just processing whatever comes in. Yeah. I, I saw this um, statistic before that was like, um, these numbers are going to be wrong, but it was something like human beings uh, process 5,000 visual images per day. The, that's what the brain can handle. That's that capacity. And the average person in America in a big city is subjected to 21,000 images per day or something like that because of advertising and yeah. whatever. Um, so that's insane. <laughs> Just... Speaking of Our Lady Peace, though, they that that is truly maybe one of truly maybe nah, that is definitely like top three things that you've put me onto over the past like eight years that have just had a fucking whirlwind of an effect on my life. It's it's um it's so awesome to me how many people say that to me because like I I I truly believe that just in terms of quality they are one of the best bands like ever. Um, particularly their first four albums, like they're yeah. fucking unbelievable as as works of art, and they're all different from each other. They're so good as albums by themselves, 
Um, like it, it's kind of apart from the voice, you wouldn't really believe that they're all the same band making these four amazing albums. Um, Jesus. And and the amount of people who say that, but like they're not famous outside of Canada at all. Like they absolutely not. No. The only gigs they play outside of Canada are in the American states that hug Canada, like Michigan and like yeah. the very very top of New York next to Niagara Falls around there. Um, so like it's I I really wish that Our Lady Peace knew what I've done for them. <laughs> How much have you like made for them in albums? I wonder. Because the the thing is I. Being like a edgy teen would just you know download all my music before Spotify became a thing, and even yeah. now I just have like an iTunes. I still use iTunes and have like I think like half a terabyte of just all kinds of music and stuff that I keep. It's usually like I like one song, and then I download the whole album, and the album turns out to be okay, but it's specifically for that one song. Yeah. Um, but I buy the albums for couple of bands one is codeline bought everything they've done purely nice. because again you put me onto them and i went to see them live as well like three or four years four years ago maybe nice um and our lady peace the other one that i always always buy just oh, and lincoln park i've bought a couple of those yeah. again because yeah they're just like yeah you kind of put your money where you want. well it's not mine yeah it's because it's itunes you need to have a credit card which you know 16 year old sven did not have a credit card yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah, geez, I remember being just probably 15, 16, and then you talked about uh, Spiritual Machines. Yes. Uh, listening to the album, thinking like, eh, it's okay, I'm not quite into it. Then every week, Friday night, when you post the Midnight Hour, I'd come back and list, like, listen to the album after listening to the podcast, and just slowly kind of warm up to it, until at some point I just had certain songs on repeat. That's hours, Hours on end. Yeah, that's so fucking cool. It's... I, that that album is such a, a trip, like and such a journey. It's yeah, I mean, it's it sent me on a fucking journey because I bought Ray Kurzweil's book and read it and broke my brains over how over stuff that he proposed. Yeah, I I I don't think I ever bought it, but when I lived in Scotland, there was a library that I used to go to, even though I was never actually a member of it. But I would sit down and read books in there, and I remember reading it and just thinking, like, I'm not smart enough for this. And I think the more I read about this, it's gonna ruin the album for me. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's um, I don't know. Just from start to finish, that album is so like it's just beautiful. Um, I don't know another word. Like especially the closing track, "The Wonderful Future." I think that's oh, yeah. one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Like it's. And then hearing like I'd usually fall asleep when the the music part of the track stopped. Oh and yeah. Then be, be woken up by the outro like eighteen minutes later. Yeah, I remember a conversation um, going on. There was this guy who he probably doesn't listen anymore. Um, I met him once in London. Uh, he was like a, a fan or whatever, and he added me on Skype. And he he was telling me like he listened to the album. And I was like, oh, what did you think? And he was like, oh, it was okay. And uh, he was like, that hidden track at the end is fucking weird. Why would they do that? And I was like. Uh, like it was the 90s like lots of bands had hidden tracks yeah. like that and he was like but it doesn't make any sense why is there all of this like blank space in the meantime and i was like it's just a, it's just a, like a stylistic choice that they did because on the cd you could hide um stuff at the back it's like an easter egg and he just wasn't getting this at all the whole concept <sighs> of a hidden track and I, like so like I'm there, like, dragging out my fucking CD collection, like, <laughs> look at this, Deftones, Around the Fur, track 10, there's two hidden tracks at the end, and stuff like that, and he was just like, yeah, but why is it at the end? And I was like, ah, you know what, <laughs> this uh, conversation's over. People overthink it a little bit. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Bit. Well, I like I can understand too though if you're from the digital age, you're not going to really understand why cuz like it's not actually that the final track is 38 minutes long, it's that the final track skips um I don't know, like usually there's like 99 tracks that are 3 seconds long or or something like that and Yeah. Um that's the way it would go, but yeah, it's uh <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny how wound up this guy got over it. I'm like, look, I can't help you here. This isn't my fault. Yeah. Um, yeah. Imagine some like Spotify mumble rapper had a hidden track, and then he died, <laughs> and then it got revealed like twelve years later. Just hear someone coming in and shooting him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have you been following this um, thing about the guy Lil Nas X? Please tell me, Old Town Road. Yeah. Yes, I'm. So, uh, and no one around me fucking gets it. No one. What I, it, like. like What's what what's your opinion about um Billboard not recognizing this as a country song? Uh, I don't know. Like it's weird because the only country I'm really familiar with is like Zach Brown Band and Wheeler Walker Jr. That's yeah. that's that's my repertoire unfortunately. So like it, I I know um because I I've always been blown away by just country music in general. It, it's a really strange economy, but it is huge in America. Mm. Like if if you're a platinum selling country music artist in You're raking it in. You are fucking like you're Drake. <laughs> like you make hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars and you're selling music in like five states or something. I it's think just... the groupies are different though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, yeah. They're related to you. Specifically the amount of teeth and that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the the type of overalls that they wear. But, <laughs> yes. Um, it's, so I've always been interested in this, and I, I, I am like... Uh, like so i like this is my disclaimer make myself make people know that i'm still cool i listen to all types of music i know it all but like i'm a fan of like kelly clarkson and taylor swift and shit like oh, that yeah. and i know that kelly clarkson releases her her tracks she'll do a country version of it and that'll go into the country music chat so like there's two versions of a lot of her songs because it makes her lots of money and then taylor swift though she used to be a country star but now she's a pop star however her pop music still goes into the country charts and she doesn't alter it in any way. So like yeah. if you're having fucking Taylor Swift trouble in as a country song and the billboard doesn't reject that, you can fuck off rejecting what I consider to be an actual country song. Like it's fair enough, right? It's rap. It's over a nine inch nails beat or whatever, but he's fucking talking about wearing Wrangler, <laughs> fucking riding yeah. horses and having a cowboy hat on. Like this is country music. His accent yeah. is country music. Like the well, sentiment is country music. Like get the fuck out of here. Not allowing that in. You're like, oh, we don't want our music to evolve. It's fucking gatekeeping. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's nonsense. I love that Billy Ray Cyrus was like, nah, fuck that. And then Let's he did a remix. Up, yeah. And like he raps on it and he's fucking awesome. <laughs> about his Maserati oh I love that mm. I mean I loved it also just because of the memes it spawned yeah, you know same. you know the, the 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 meme of like the black arm bro fisting the white arm and the white arm yes. wearing like a checkered sweater yeah. and it's like the the where they're shaking each other's hands you have Old Town Road it's uh, it will solve all race relations I believe I know yeah. I, I love stuff like that when there's crossover like that and it's like respectful and like I love them over and over again Nelly and Tim McGraw back in the day I was like this is good this is a nice combination of two <laughs> different genres this is good we need more of this but yeah I also like new metal so what are you gonna do yeah there's no fighting that <laughs> no it's it's simply the best <laughs> music ever and that's, that's the way that it is um, so tell me this, I actually wanted to ask 
you told me that you're traveling as of Wednesday, which is tomorrow. Um, yes. Where are you headed? I'm headed to Curaçao, which is uh, in the Dutch Antilles. Ah, nice. It, am I right in saying it's not called that anymore, the Dutch Antilles? It's now called something else, sir. I got to be like I have no idea what it's. I live in the in Holland. I have a Dutch passport, but I honestly do not know. Okay, I only it's... know this because it it used to be, um, the it used Netherlands to be a, Antilles. No, it used to be a high risk country, and now it's not because it's something else. Because something else owns it or something like that. I from finance because oh. I work in finance. So. Oh yeah, no, they um they are independent. They became independent recently, uh, or 2012 or something. Ah, okay. They were given independence from the Dutch government because um, there's Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao that used they're the ABC islands and they used to fall under Dutch jurisdiction or fall under Dutch rule essentially. And now I think uh, the Dutch government kind of gives uh, they help they finance some stuff they do, uh, but beyond that I think they're independent. But no, they're um, uh, I don't know like they're because I, I was there. Um, let me think, March. 13th to 27th as well. Oh, back, backstory to this whole thing is uh, my girlfriend left mid-February to go there to do research for her master's. And obviously, because I'm a bitch, I can't be away from her for longer than four weeks. So wow. You're so gay. Bit. Yeah, I know. My girlfriend makes me extremely gay. <laughs> Painful, honestly. Um, <laughs> all the face marks actually don't help. But yeah. Um... So when visited then, and just being there for two weeks, you feel the, like, I did, because, so my mum's British, my dad's Dutch, so I have both passports, that's why I sound more or less British, but can go into fluent Dutch. I was going to comment on that, and then I was like, "Ah, I I bet you're probably sick of people telling you that. Uh, Not as sick as, you know, other people who have that international background, but yeah, uh, at some point you have, like, a story ready that you tell them, you go, yeah, I've done this, this, and this, grew up here, now I do this. Ask me a real question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went to visit, and I did everything in English there, just because if you went into Dutch, the people at like restaurants or at the beach or whatever would just treat you like shit. Whereas if I did everything in a hoity-toity British accent, it would just there was no real tension. Huh. So there's definitely something going on there. Yeah, so as an Irish person, I find the opposite to be true. Um, when I go to particularly mainland Europe, when they find out that I'm not British, they love me. Oh, yeah, they love the Irish. It's yeah. insane. But it's also because the, like, the Irish are kind of spread through every... I think every big city in the Netherlands, at least, has a pub just called the Irish pub. Yeah, um, I have a few friends who live over there, and they have not even attempted to learn Dutch. Um, you really don't need to, to be honest. Yeah, but they... I don't know, like, one of my friends lives in uh, Maastricht. Oh, Jesus, that's far away. Yeah, and it's, like, small or whatever, but, like, you better believe there's an Irish pub there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I recently went to... um, Sorry, this is kind of unrelated, but also kind of related. I I recently stayed in Queens um, in this place called Woodside, and it is basically Ireland. Like, I go anywhere in America and I talk... Actually, the way that I talk when I record, this is not my actual voice, how I sound in the world. This is my recording voice where I feel the need to enunciate everything that I say. My actual voice is like... It's more like a Dublin accent. And in Woodside, I just spoke in my actual voice the entire time. And I was very confident that everyone would understand every word that I was saying clearly. Like, even using, like, Dublin slang and stuff like that. Um... Because it is basically fucking Ireland. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's, certain, there's like niches of 
there's pockets of languages that are so weird. Like even within a tiny country like Holland, mm-hmm. if you go all the way up north to a place called Friesland, they speak um, Fries. I don't even know what the English translate or the English name would be for that language, but it's like if I'm from like the Hague area, and if someone from Friesland would come over to me and say something in their like dialect or language, as mm-hmm. they would have you believe, I would have no idea. Uh, no, listen, no fucking clue. Ireland is like that too. There's a, a guy in my office from this place in Ireland called Cork, and uh, every time he talks, I haven't a fucking clue what he's saying. It sounds like he's singing, first of all, and uh, it it's the most bizarre fucking accent. Like I'm not even being facetious when I say I don't know what he's saying. I actually don't know what he's saying. Mm, interesting. And like you're even from the same country. Yeah. That, that weirds me out. Yeah, I've been I've been around Ireland a couple times just for like family visits and whatever. I never really had a problem understanding people, but it's yeah, I found maybe down to grandparents having a slight Irish accent as well, so the ear kind of tunes into it, you know. Yeah, that's but true. Sometimes, you know, you speak to people from the north of England. I was in York a long time ago, but you know, recent enough to remember. Yeah, and just understanding what they said, fucking no idea sometimes. Yeah, because they don't. <laughs> There's this uh, tweet that me and one of my friends just laugh at incessantly because it's so funny and it's so typical. Like, when you're Irish and you go abroad on a summer holiday to any, like, Mallorca or wherever you go, um, there's always English people. Like, the Irish people always hang out with the other Irish people or the other Celtic people. And there's Mm. always English people that come in and they're so loud (laughs) and everybody hates them and they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) But um, the, the tweet is something like, hate when you're on holiday and, and all the Irish people or whatever are hanging out with each other and then this fucking lad from Leeds comes in with his foghorn accent and says <laughs> something like, oh, it were right hot on beach, had to sit in shade. <laughs> and it's just, that is so what they are like. It's, it's just, there's no yeah. decorum about them or whatever. It's Absolutely just, not. Absolutely. Yeah. Brits that leave the island, it's... <clears throat> It's awful to me. Like, <laughs> summer holidays when... So my family, like, uh, they enjoy heading down to, you know, like, South France or whatever, just getting a house, chilling for a couple of weeks, yeah. whatever. Um, they usually go to an area that has pockets of, like, heavy British tourism and heavy Dutch tourism. And Dutch tourists are real fucking annoying in the sense that they always wear orange button-up shirts and blue trousers <laughs> in, like, 35-degree weather. Jesus. And will like be out in the village at eight in the morning, wondering why the the, the shops aren't open or whatever. Oh God! Southern France in the summer, and the British on the other hand are just loud and obnoxious, and for some reason always try to talk to you. Which you know, I'm on holiday. Leave me alone. Yeah. I, I want to read my book at this cafe, and that's it. So depending on what pocket of the area we're in, we switch between Dutch and English as a family, always avoiding the language of the people around us. That's and nice. That's a good tactic. Every now and then, because my mother's Dutch is, we'll say fluent, but it doesn't sound fluent. Um, I'll like speak to her in English, and then people, fucking Brits, will turn their head and go, "Oh, we can we can have some banter. Let's yeah, have a chat. Yeah. Let's have a chat." And she's too nice to turn that down. So, forty-five <laughs> minutes later, we're waiting. Yeah. But yeah, yeah sometimes you want to avoid the all the language problems, and just meeting people abroad kind of sucks sometimes. But yeah. Yeah, it's not like, I hope that my English listeners aren't like, hey, what the fuck? Like, it's not, I don't hate the English or anything like that. It's just that there's a certain type of English person that you run into abroad, and I tend to not 
like hanging around with them because they tend to be louder and rowdier um in, in a kind of like weird way i don't really understand it i i think i don't know if brexit has taught me anything it's that that nation doesn't really have a collective psyche of any kind so it's uh, they're so. pretty divided yeah or bipolar something about that i i see the these tweets sometimes where people are like um oh, it would be the most British thing ever if we just called Brexit off and made some tea for our neighbours. And I'm like, you know you know that Twitter account that's like very British problems? Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just posts like traits of introversion. These are not British things at all. No, not at all. I'm yeah. like, the rest of the world thinks of you guys as warmongers that come over and <laughs> slaughter people and try and impose your own rule because of some weird tyrannical greatness that you think you have. Like... The rest of the world doesn't look at Britain and go like, oh, they're so British, look at them, they're so shy and reserved. Like, yeah. The rest of the world is like, fuck these guys. We celebrate fucking independence from these people every week. <laughs> you know, like, it's so strange to me that that, that has entered their psyche as, as, a, yeah. as a thing. But um... It's because the, the, the entire nation's mentality for the best part of 500 years was essentially something that went as follows they turn up somewhere they'd say you you and you fuck off we're having tiffin yeah. <laughs> and from that point onwards they were somehow subjected to rule yeah and then yeah i think the americans are doing the same thing but just more insidious yeah because they'll rock up somewhere where they can like mine for oil or you know, chocolate or whatever they want yes and somehow the people will start talking about you know we should really get rid of the american big dog because they come together and talk about this stuff, the Americans just build a Starbucks around them, by which yeah. point they're just too distracted and it continues. <laughs> yeah, I know. America is um, oh, it, it is quite a country, man. I, I tell you, like, I've been there, um, like, I've been there three times now, which is weird because six months ago I hadn't been there at all. And <laughs> Wow. Some, Track I, record. I know, yeah. Uh, like, I've learned some things about America that I don't know what it is. It's it just... It's such a strange place to me. Um, nothing in it is, I don't know, nothing linear. Uniform. Yeah, nothing's uniform in yeah. the sense of, like, you can go from place to place and you will find an entirely different culture. Of... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Woodside is basically Dublin and not in, like, the, I was in an Irish bar with Irish people. Like, because, like, I lived in London for, like, a year and, like, there's Irish bars in London and you go into them and there's Irish people and that and like that's great but it the ones in New York are like someone has cut a piece out of Dublin and put it into New York and just lifted it yeah yeah it's crazy it's it's so and there's like there's like Greek areas Korean areas Portuguese like whatever and they're all their own little culture that's what it really like whenever I hear these people talk about how we need an ethno state because um reason number one uh immigrants don't assimilate with our culture uh, and then reason number two is like, um, sorry, reason number, so they don't assimilate, so we need an ethno state because um, multiculturalism is the devil and all that stuff. It's like, if they don't assimilate, why do you need to have an ethno state? Because if they're keeping themselves to themselves, then you're just going to keep yourself to yourself. It's like you have a little ethno town. <laughs> why do you need a country <laughs> built around your fucking country? Somehow you've gentrified the idea of an ethno state. Yeah. <laughs> We'll oh, surely get the Proud Boys off your back. Oh, yes. I, I started listening to a lot of... Um, I assume you know who Destiny is. Uh, streamer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, his debates with people. Oh, he's he's fucking mental, though, isn't he? 
he's unreal at the baits anyway that's all i know i i watched him he was on pka for two episodes um and i i felt like he defended all of his ideas perfectly i felt like there was not a single flaw in this man's like mode mm-hmm. of thinking so i started like he starts appearing in all of my fucking recommended like I destiny guess. debates like baked alaska and like all, all these people that i i know of but i don't really know what they're about and like he he does like really well in them he's he's like a ben shapiro of the left i think yeah which is nice i don't know see. it's like it's all the because i um i think at some point someone asked you the question on a podcast many moons ago saying has anyone ever changed your opinion via the internet and what you did after that was you mentioned me how I'd sent you a YouTube link. Yeah, the Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. Where um, I think it was the thing about him mocking the reporter. That's right. Yeah. And, and then he... someone, someone yeah. had gone and made a compilation of him doing that the same movements yeah. in many different cases dating back to like early two thousands, I think. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, so I was in that whole niche because I did. Um, Another short backstory, I went off to uni uh, studying computer science and math, dropped out after like three months, spent the rest of the nine months until I went to my current uni uh, just working, and then at night I would research the US elections that were going on right then. Nice. I was like into psychology and the whole topic of persuasion influence. And kind of hopped on the Scott Adams bank, uh, bandwagon of like, yeah, he's a super persuasive guy. Pay attention. He's very interesting, Scott Adams. He's he's his way of looking at reality is very interesting and holds up strangely. I can't tell if it's luck or if it's he really knows or if it's really working up, but it seems to be holding up anyways. Yeah. But point is, I like did all the research and to be fair, used quite a lot of WikiLeaks to kind of conf- to kind of find out who, uh, which source can I trust and which can't I trust bet a bunch of cash on Donald Trump winning and made a bunch of cash as wow, a consequence of that. Nice. Like like serious, serious cash. Fuck. And it's like it's a it's a nice moment because you like really confirm like, wow, I spent seven months watching Trump rallies every day. <laughs> yeah. Just, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time it was worth it. And yeah. uh so I kinda I was in the full like depth of fucking conspiracy theory, Alex Jones, right-wing stuff, while also keeping tabs on what was happening in the left camp. And, like, every time I came across Destiny, which is where it connects to what you said, mm. um, he, he was, like, talking to someone, and everything he said just sounded like it was irrational and pulled out of fucking oh, really? thin air. And I think that has to do with how my thinking has developed since then. I was mostly looking at stuff from the right-wing perspective because that's what wasn't being broadcast in mainstream news. Yeah. So then I'd come across like, oh, Destiny is schooled by, you know, some fucking baked Alaska figure. Um, and yeah, you kind of realize how as it, once I stopped like being act, well, not being active, but reading stuff and researching that area of the internet, I kind of came back to normalcy and stop watching or listening to any kind of news ever and then you kind of get more of a rational look on things yeah i completely agree with that i i actually i feel that now more than ever i feel like i know what i think and i'm ready to defend what i think whereas before i feel like i would definitely be a feels over reels kind of guy yeah i'd just be like well this feels this way so it must be true and 
I like I am very confident in my perception of things, but mm-hmm. I don't think I would be able to successfully defend a lot of the things that I thought. And like for a while, I was like subscribed to fucking like Dave Rubin and watching his show every fucking day. I would come home from work and watch some Dave Rubin video, and I'd be like, "Yeah, this this is the." And he now, knows what's up. Now I would. I feel like I would fucking destroy Dave Rubin in a debate <laughs> about anything. I feel like I would just fucking destroy Dave Rubin if I was put in a room with him. I I think he like. I don't even think he stands for anything. I think he's a completely spineless guy. Whereas, you know, I, I don't know how, how long ago this must have been. I think it was before I moved into this house. So probably like 18 months ago, I was looking at Dave Rubin stuff and I was thinking like, this guy is good. He's so good. He gets to the real issue and stuff. Like the that. enlightened thinker. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, in reality, I don't, I, don't I, I don't think he has any thoughts at all. That's the thing. Like a lot of the things I see from him, if it's just a podcast or like, I think he was on Joe Rogan quite a while ago, but you know, recently enough for me to remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, he and talked about yeah. regulations, and he his yeah. whole worldview got picked apart by by Joe Rogan, who whose like dad worked in construction or something, and it's yeah. just, it just seems so like this is your entire philosophy and ethos on what you think the world should be. And then when when that was done, like Joe Rogan was like, what about construction workers and this and that? And then now Dave Rubin reverts back to like, oh, well, that's not my actual opinion. I was just talking about ideas. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Fucking commit uh, to something for once in your fucking life. Ugh. Problem is he doesn't really have to put his money where his mouth is. I know. That's the well, problem. Um, that regulation debate was so fucking – because I think he said let the free market decide mm. who has the best safety in when they're building stuff. Yeah. Now, the problem is the free market's pretty good at deciding some things, but when it's about, like, life and death things, you you don't want to leave it to market mechanisms, I You're, don't think. Yeah, no, like, you can't, I don't think you can, I don't think anybody can successfully argue that government regulation is just not needed because it'll regulate itself by, like, that's fucking stupid to me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, like, there are so many, like, construction is one, but... There are so many other areas where that will fall apart immediately. Yeah. Like it, it, well, it, it goes for health. Something like healthcare is also a good example because mm-hmm. you want to make it completely private in the sense of, well, you know, to the point that people can't afford it, therefore drop dead by the thousands. Mm-hmm. Or the other side of that debate seems to only be, well, everyone ha- like all the rich people have to pay for all the poor people who apparently are all almost dead. Yeah. Just, there's no mid ground of doing something like I, what we have here in the Netherlands, which is like up to 300 euro. I think if it's a big procedure, you pay yourself, and the rest of the government covers because they have mandated insurance that still works on an investment basis. So yeah. you know, you pay a small premium that the government reimburses you for. They invest that stuff as if they were a stockbroker, and you know, do it safely and make money and pay for people who need healthcare that way. Yeah. That like my my friend who lives in the in the Netherlands he he tells me about that all the time and he's like it's brilliant but sometimes you pay too much or whatever and yeah for for stupid things you'll pay a little bit too much sometimes like mm-hmm. if you need antibiotics not all of them are covered or if you need like stomach protectors because the antibiotic is aggressive you need yeah. to pay for the stomach protectors but it's like well it's twelve euro which yeah that's yeah. fine really isn't it <laughs> it should yeah it should be fine it's just kind of pissed me off that. Everything has to be one extreme versus the other extreme, and that's it. There's no one who seems to slow down and say, why don't we take the best parts of both and just meet in the middle, which is supposed to be what discussion does, but half the people won't yeah. talk to the other half. That's, that is like the, that's the, 
That is the number one problem of our age is that people just won't talk to each other anymore because you see that being resolved. Um, kinda. I like I see some things that give me hope. Um, and I don't think that Andrew Yang has any chance, whatever, like of becoming the um, Democratic nominee for president. I highly doubt it as well. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's not going to happen. But I like. Or rather, I'm encouraged by the way he's approaching it, and it seems as though he has significant support, uh, at least online, from both sides of the extreme. Like, there are people on the far right who really like him, and there are mm. people on the far left who really like him. For anyone who doesn't know, I, I, I guess we're kind of talking about, like, like if you're if you're living in Newcastle and your hobby is football, you probably don't even know who Andrew Yang is. But and punching was, horses. Yeah, and that yeah, of course that goes with the territory. But um, he's he's just this he's this, like an entrepreneur who is running for president, and you can catch him like just Google Andrew Yang. You'll see he has so many interviews and stuff. He was on um, Joe Rogan as well, right? He was on Joe Rogan. He was yeah. on Sam Harris. He was on Ben Shapiro's show as well. Um, but like the way that he seems to have united both sides, like that gives me hope. I just think that, I think that eventually, like everything is ultimately like a pendulum, and we will definitely move away from this type of nonsense. Like, I I I see that the Democrats are not entirely going in like doubling down on their bullshit because um, that guy whose name I can't pronounce is like a fairly popular, and he seems rational and normal and not. Like an insane person. I actually have no no idea who you're talking about. Uh, it's like, like Buddy Gag or Buddy Greg or something like Jesus. that. Jesus, he's gay. That's one thing I know about him. He he was in the military. He's a mayor. Um, mm. I don't know. Well, it, I I think that you would like be. I think you would see an interview with him and be like, that is a sane human being. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is a rare at this point in time. Yeah, but, yeah, pretty much it is. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I. I I, I see it being resolved just by virtue of the fact that it has to be resolved. And yeah. we seem to be moving further away from resolving things with nuclear warheads. So, I don't know. I, I guess I just I hope it will be. And I somehow just believe that it will be. I don't know. Things have a nice way of working out somehow. Do you think it will be? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Because um, from what I've seen... Uh, a lot of like the younger generation is not in the sense I don't want to say like conservative, but they they're done with a bunch of nonsense coming from both sides. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I see that too. Like they, I don't know. For some reason, like my sister just comes in as, as an example, and she's sixteen. I mean, in my head, she's like eight, but she's sixteen, and. She doesn't really know much about... She never really talks about politics, but whenever something comes on the news as she's walking by or whatever, and my dad's watching, whatever, mm. um, she'll kind of just be like, oh, interesting. They should just talk it out instead of shouting each other via different television screens. Yeah. Because they'll be like, they'll have a Democrat on, for example. They'll say something in an interview, and then they'll get the Republican to respond in a different interview, as in so-and-so said this. Yeah. So real dialogue actually happens. But then again, the problem is that the media has to put together short segments, so dialogue is a rare commodity. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's been talked about at length how the problem is just people don't really sit down and have long conversations to really get into the nuances of their beliefs. Yeah. It's more just, I have to state the harsh fact now, and we'll work out the rest later. 
it's yeah it, it it's very interesting um to me when i see stuff like uh Andrew Yang does some CNN interview or whatever, and it's like eight minutes, and there's like two people interviewing him, and then like you listen to him on Joe Rogan where he talks for like two and a half hours, and like you learn so much more. It's got so many more viewers. Like, why does CNN matter? <laughs> I'm really thinking, why does yeah, why does any any large TV news network? Why do they still exist? Yeah, it's crazy, and, and yeah, I I actually genuinely think that they do have a huge sway with the voters. Oh, yeah. like yes, it's... they have a, an enormous sway, yeah. which is may maybe a problem in the sense of because they're not presenting such a big piece or such they're not presenting someone credibly in terms of their views like joe rogan would because he has them on for a long time yeah it just becomes impossible to figure out what's going on so you just follow like if they have yeah. we talked about how images have such a power to sway like if you show them in a good light like good just even with like good makeup on so the light hits them properly mm. and that's that, part of their plan that's what they do that's the yeah. process that in already probably gives them a couple extra votes i i think um the long-form conversation thing is really interesting because there's this guy called Stefan Molyneux. Oh, know. yeah. So I fucking hate this guy. And I've always hated awesome. him. I, I just... I look... Yeah. Fucking... Um, what is... Uh, uh, the, the the world's leading philosophy. Shut the fuck up. He, I, I see his fucking head and I hate it. The way he, he it moves his profile, mouth... Though. He what? He has it in his Twitter profile. Leading philosopher. Man, he's not a philosopher at all. Like, he's a fucking hack is what he is. Like, how smug he is. He's, like, so smug and he has nothing to be smug about. I just, I don't fucking understand it. He can't even, like, he can't even go bald with grace, this guy. <laughs> fucking hair growing out the side. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Shave that off. But he, um, I've always hated him and I've never really known why. I, like, he says fucking downright insane things. But he, he tosses it up in a word salad where it's like his sentence might simply be something like um, the reason why your dad is an asshole is not because he's an asshole. It's because your mother had sex with him. Like that's what he's saying ultimately. But he'll dress it up in a sentence like, um, yeah. yeah, well, uh, it's because the um, maternal uh, instinct aspect of your um, upbringing was uh, correlated uh, specifically with this uh, ass like you know what I mean like that's the way that he talks mm -hmm. and it's like fuck you man but I listened to him on Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan just brought all of all of his ideas like in front of him and was like explain this explain this what do you mean by yeah. this look at this why did you say this and by the end of it I was like wow he's just been like deconstructed as a like all of his power like seems to be gone right now because he can't defend yeah. any of the stuff that he said without it's weird because you kind of you understand maybe not understand but it's a better way to see where he's coming from and then at the exact same time you see like oh but everything he's talking about would never work like, yeah. i think he said like so how do you identify yourself politically i think he said like i am by definition an anarchist yes and so right. i want everything broken down and start anew and, they, and then he just goes okay so how would that work out um, well, you'd have like a bunch of people who like to live together, and one would be pretty good at making bread, so he'd take care of the bread for everyone. Yeah. And someone else would be, uh, you know, he'd be a bigger guy, so he could take uh, make sure that the, everyone behaves and uh, protect people who need it and all that kind of stuff. He goes, so you want bakers and policemen, okay? And how do you make sure they give each other, you know, that everyone gets their fair share? And he goes like, well, because we'll have other people who uh, take care of some. And then he kind of he trails off into like essentially describing society as it currently is, <laughs> without using the word money. He's like Dave Rubin on steroids. 
<laughs> he doesn't like i saw him um he did this mock debate with uh, feel free to ask me why i fucking consume content exclusively of the people that i hate but he did this mock debate with with lauren southern to like i i don't know what it, i think he was she, maybe preparing who is she Lauren, she's um blonde trump girl right that's right yeah she's sort of she used to write for rebel media oh yeah yeah rebel media yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've blocked all these people from memory just after those seven months of excruciating oh uh, yeah nice i i am i am on that path <laughs> i just have some stuff that i need to because every time i talk about politics well not this isn't politics this is shit that no one cares about but it's also the most important issue of our time according to my yes. youtube recommendations so i can't <laughs> not fall into it but um i know that the people on the midnight hour tend to not actually care about this but i also have to get it out of my system for once and for all the closure yeah yeah exactly but he was doing a mock debate with her where it was like she was going to serve him up questions and he'd be like oh well that's easy i would do this and then i would do this <laughs> see and mm. so she's like so in your society could a seven-year-old buy heroin and he's like well i think that if i was to ask that if i was to answer that question i would have to uh answer what the parents were doing the, to uh let this uh, seven-year-old buy yeah, heroin. Like, technically i would not put any regulations against it for that yeah. is the meaning of anarchy however yeah we should be questioning the societal values around that that right. lead to this lead to this one decision happening and, and it may be because kept... your father was an asshole and your yeah, mother exactly. <laughs> but she kept pressing like yes or no it's a simple question and he just wouldn't fucking answer and i was like this guy is such a fraud. I can't believe that he's fucking got so many people to believe his shit. Like it's fucking insane to me. Like he he's just so oh, I don't know. He's disgusting. I fucking hate the man. He looks like a fucking snake or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. But um He look he looks like the the uh, Is it called the cue ball in Billiards and Snooker the white one? Yeah, the cue ball is the black one i thought oh maybe not the white the white billiards ball he looks like one of those that's been used for a long time yeah he does hang on are you familiar with um the practice of nudging Mm, no i don't well i'll not physical um so like on msn back in the day you used to be able to send nudges (laughs) uh not the one i'm quite referring to no it's um stuff like Using the simple like flaws in human thinking, uh, a bunch of researchers, Richard Taylor, an economist, actually, is, uh, he wrote a book about it and coined the term and everything. Oh, yeah, this is um, too... Um... It's where... Oh, he got a Nobel Prize for it in 2008 as well. Somebody wrote a book... Uh, uh, Cass Sunstein. Yeah, yeah, Sunstein and Taylor it. wrote it together. Ah, uh, no. okay, right, 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 yes, yeah. So this is, nudging is, uh, as I understand it, it's where you think someone should believe a certain thing, so you just gently nudge them towards that belief. Instead of trying to spell out an argument and convince them, yes. you just make yes. it seem true so that they believe it, yeah. And the important part is that you don't remove the possibility of doing the exact opposite of that belief, you see? So it, uh... it'd be like... The, one of the examples, uh, example studies they have is where they, at a hotel buffet, they put all the unhealthy stuff all the way at the end of the buffet. So people have to walk further to fill their plate with it. And the point is that they're going by stuff like fruit and, you know, like toast and jam, whatever, isn't as bad as what's at the end of the buffet. Mm. And the idea is that their plate will be so full by the time they get to the end that they turn around and just eat that and therefore stay away from the unhealthy stuff. Ah, um, it's like small changes, small changes in like setup that could 
potentially alter their behavior for the better in the end without removing the alternative. So um, another example is the urinals at Schiphol Airport, which is the airport in Amsterdam. Uh, they all have little flies on the side in the urinal, and it's because someone I've seen was that. yeah, and it's because someone was so genius as to think if a dude is going to pee and he sees like a, a fake fly in the urinal. The fucking the male brain is you know we're not that complex. We'll be like <laughs> let's pee on it. Yeah, and wow. Therefore, people like I think when they I don't know how they quantified this, but the paper finishes with like urine spillage was reduced by ninety eight percent. Jesus Christ, that is actually what's so weird about you mentioning that is that I was I think like two weeks ago or something I was on the bus home from work and I was trying to remember where I saw that and I I couldn't remember that it was a fly but I knew that there was something in the urinal that I was pissing on and I was like where was that yeah Amsterdam airport that's fucking yeah. insane that's yeah that's like the little nudge so the like the I guess if you want to live according to Mr. Molyneux's um anarchy thing you'd have to like the seven-year-old should have the opportunity to buy heroin but there should be a nudge mechanism in place that makes them not want to see he's not even clever enough to say that though yeah, which I mean, it raised, like, I think a lot of people who are in politics, they intuitively have a good understanding of human nature. I think in the sense that they know how to persuade people, they know how to present themselves confidently and properly. Yeah. And I think he may be missing that kind of understanding of how, not not necessarily an understanding of how the human mind works, but like just social experience and seeing stuff like, yeah, people want to reciprocate, but if it comes at a cost to them, they won't. So if someone's doing a hard job, he won't. Like, so say you have a bread baker in his theoretical village, um, he's not going to want to give away his bread for free. It's that simple. He's going to have to get something in return for it, which is why the whole, I'll do this for the whole village doesn't really work. And you need a couple of regulations that kind of uh, are measurements by which we can interact with each other. Yeah, and it's it's also just, beyond all of that, is it, it is incredibly funny to me that an anarchist who defines himself as an anarchist is is fucking going crazy at the concept of open borders and he's advocating yeah. for Trump's wall and, and all this stuff. It's, like, it's very obvious what you're doing, Mr. Molyneux, and it is not intellectually honest because it's pretty clear that you're not a real anarchist. It's pretty clear you're doing the whole Trump pandering thing for the views and the money and um, going on this like fucking world tour, presenting yourself as a philosopher. Oh, I use the Socratic <laughs> method. <laughs> Shut your... Ah, oh, man, I fucking hate that guy. He's just... Sometimes you just hate someone, like just by looking at them, like. Oh yeah, their face pulls. It pulls yeah. something out of you. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, it's. It's crazy. like sometimes someone's face will just it'll set me off just to the point that if I I remember walking into my very first class at this uni I'm about to leave and just seeing this girl and just going like oh this is bad news, <laughs> real bad news. Yeah. I hate myself for judging her like that, but then it turned out that she was so fucking annoying that it confirmed. So I just let my let my uh, intuitive judgments run free, which is an awful thing to do. But at the same time, I was right. So yeah, I know. I I have so many stories that are like very very like that. I definitely judge people instantly, but I also am such a good judge of character that <laughs> I don't really mind that I do it. I'm like, yeah. Oh I'm yeah. I mean, I'll leave them the room to positively surprise me, but. Yeah. First interaction usually starts off with me being like, "Okay, prove yourself." Yeah. Yeah. Same. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I should probably get going, but yeah, uh, do you? Uh... I was gonna ask if you had any questions for me. Like, I don't know if that's a vain thing to ask or whatever, but I know um, that you used to always ask when I had like Q and A's and stuff. I remember just spamming in my uh, in the what's it? My very youthful days when I flirted with the concept of communism at some point, spamming you with the question. Do you, do you think communism could ever work, or are humans too inherently greedy? But I've grown beyond that question. Yeah. I I, so did I ever that. answer that for you at all? No, no. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, truthfully, I don't even know enough about it to be... I don't even think that I would be one of those people that's like, oh, well, it's never really truly been tried. Like, I don't fucking... I don't actually like the idea of it at all. <laughs> the more yeah. I think about it... Like, it, it's actually interesting because... Um, with communism particularly, I think when I was in college, I used to think it was a good idea with my limited understanding of it. But I remember yeah, I made same that... boat. Yeah. I remember I made a video about that, uh, what if money didn't matter or whatever. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I definitely said in that video that communism is bad. And that was in 2012 I made that. So I definitely, I know that I've known this for a while and that I've never actually been, I'd never call myself communist or whatever, but... Um, since I, I've only been like in my current career or whatever, I, I only started in this workforce in like 2015 mm. and, and I've worked my way up so far so quickly and like I earned so much more money than I did before or when I was doing YouTube and I'm sort of like the government's not fucking coming to take this from me. I fucking <laughs> worked really hard for this. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that. I don't fucking want any like I don't know. It's 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 kind of selfish on one level, but it's also like I fucking work so much harder than so many other people and yeah. that, and my salary is reflected as so. So like I'm not fucking sharing that with people. Well, I share with people that I love cause I love them, you know, it's... exactly. But beyond that, yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't know. Fuck off. I've, I've always said though that I like capitalism. There's a lot of things that I, I don't like about it, but it works. And that's something that I've always um, believed. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I assume somebody has a soundbite of me saying I don't like it and we should try socialism. Um, You're about will, to be taken down. I can qualify it and say that um, I think some areas of capitalism should be socialized. Like I think prison systems should be socialized. I think healthcare oh, yeah. should be socialized. Um, I, I definitely I, I like Scandinavia. I, I like the look of the um, uh, socialist capitalism or capitalistic socialism or whatever the fuck it is. Um, they do some things that I really like in there. So I can tell you, Finland is a fantastic place. Yeah, it's awesome. I've actually been there. Really? How'd yeah. you end up there? Um, I I was I went to a wedding there. Let's ah, okay. leave it at that, I guess. Short answer, yeah. It wasn't mine, but um, yeah, it, it it was actually awesome. I got to see a fair bit of the countryside there too, and I got to see some of where it borders with Russia, and it was um, I don't know, really interesting to me because I've always been interested in. I don't know the dark and the darkness and steeliness of Finland slash Russia, if that makes yeah. sense. Like kind of like the 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 aspect of just pure wild nature. Yeah, like, absolutely. The woods. Yeah, kind of thing. the complete unknown about it, yeah. and how interesting it is that there is an unknown attached to so much known. You know. Oh, def yeah, yeah, and this just the surreal feeling of because um, again, short background to this. My girlfriend is half Finnish, half French. Oh wow. Uh, her dad, yeah, grew up all over Southeast Asia as well, so that's another international kid case. But, um, <laughs> it's fantastic fun traveling, at least. 
yeah. the, uh, the point is, her dad um, still goes back to Finland over the summer, and her family there has like a lake house because every Finnish family has a lake house. Yes, I, I stayed at a lake house while exactly, I was there. With, with a sauna and a toilet that you poop in and then dump it in the woods, because there's no flushing system, of course. Okay, so it and... had the sauna part. It did not have the other thing, though. It had, like, four oh. functional toilets, actually. Okay, well, you've missed out on traditional Finnish culture. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and it's just, like, sitting on there. There's, like, a little dock attached to their... Uh, to the lake house there and just sitting there and looking out over the lake and like the woods on the other side looking like you can look to the left look to the right as far as the eye stretches it's water and trees there's no other person within like a 20 kilometer radius or yeah, something yeah it's insane yeah it's awesome. i mean the country the country's like i think they're five and a half million people and like three million saunas or something in the country yeah and did you know this for every two thousand people in finland there is one metal band Really? Yeah, I read it the Jesus other day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, what else is there to do there? It's so sad and cold and dark. <laughs> no, well, that's the point. Like, they drink themselves to absolute fucking... Well, uh, this, as the stereotype goes, I haven't seen it for myself quite yet, but mm. I did arri arrive at Helsinki Airport, go to the toilet, and see two empty small little pocket vodka bottles on top of the toilet. So. Jesus, really? Yeah. I tell you one thing about that place. The fucking price of a taxi... Oh, my God. God. It's no wonder they fucking kill themselves. Like, yes. I got a, a taxi from, like, the first... So I know there's a train station in Helsinki Airport, but I didn't know that at the time. So I got a taxi to the next stop. It was, like, seven minutes. It cost, like, 29 euro. I couldn't fucking believe it. Did you order a, um, like, a can of beer? I ordered, like, a can. So 33 centiliters of beer during my layover at Helsinki Airport. And it cost me seven euro ninety. Jesus fucking Christ! Seven euro ninety. Like that's why they all kill themselves there because they can't drink to get rid of the depression. Therefore, you just yeah. Yeah, that is insane. I I think um the wedding was actually what they did was drove to Tallinn in Estonia and just got like mm. a grand worth of beer and brought it back. Yeah, they definitely. That's a smart move. Yeah, yeah. I I, I Finland is great, but very very expensive. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. Dublin is, is uh, not inexpensive itself, to be honest. No, and I'm moving to London uh, in August. So oh, really? That's uh, also going to be expensive and stupid and make me want to hurt myself in many ways. But, you yeah, know, it's... Getting in there while everyone else is getting out of there. It's a good strategy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's uh, for the education, you know. Are you going to university there? Yeah. Wow. Which Which uni? Uh, University College London. Oh, I've gone wow, into nice. the business psychology program there. Jeez. Man, it's that's fucking, fucking awesome. I have no idea how. I think you have some idea how. Well, no, the point, like, I think it may just be part of growing up, because applying to get into the uni I'm in now, I was, like, I was, I graduated high school with average-ish grades. Mm. And so I should have not really gotten in, but I interview pretty well. I think you talk about this, you've talked about this a lot as well, how you can hold yourself in conversation. Yeah. And, that helps in interviews, so... I definitely I think write, that you would yeah. interview very well. Interview well, and I write well, so in a motivation letter, I come across pretty good. This yeah. is academically... I mean, yeah, as long as I find it interesting, good, but... Yeah, that's growing up. You kind of question, how the fuck did I get here? It's... But, oh man, there's so much to be said for being able to hold a conversation. Like, if this was an interview, I would fucking hire you, like, five times over just Thank because you. you're able to talk about so many things. Like, it's actually... It, it's weird for me because so many people have asked, can they talk to me in a call before, like listeners and whatever. And 
I am not entirely comfortable with the idea because you don't know what you're getting into, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's kind of I'm uncomfortable taking compliments. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I I had a talk with myself like, don't fucking fanboy. Just <laughs> be cool. Be cool. Wait, wait till I have like four more beers and then you can start fanboying, <laughs> and I'll be totally fine with it. No, but like it, it's it's yeah. I I never really know what to do because I'm I guess like some people tell me stuff like the influence I've had on their lives and and I don't know how to even. I can't. What's the word? I can't reconcile that with the person that oh. I am. I'm like, what? <laughs> Hold on, I did what? <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I felt like to have a podcast with a listener would be a risk because it might be too esoteric and it might be too um, self-referential for the person who's talking to me. But yeah. I feel like this is like I don't know I don't really care how it holds up as an episode but just as a conversation this has been really like I definitely want to talk to you again I definitely want to do this again because there's so Lovely. much I feel like we didn't talk about that I wanted to talk about and I feel bad now but we also jumped from topic to topic so oh we yeah just... we've covered myriad things yeah so... yeah um, but no I I would definitely love to do this again um, particularly to talk about um, like travel and the places that you've been to and stuff because oh in... yeah I'd be down for that. In the 45 seconds of prep I did before this episode, that was what I was actually planning on talking to you about. So, well, um, kind of forced you, put you into the corner of having me back again. Yeah, Great. well, I would be delighted to because I think that hey, would be good. Love that. I'd also love to hear from the listeners. Um, what did you guys think? Simple as that. Let me know. I look forward to the four comments that we'll get. But um, yeah, thanks a lot, man. This has been really good. Thank you. It's been great fun. there you have it folks it turns out it was joe rogan all along anyways i really enjoyed that episode i hope that you guys enjoyed it too the song closing the episode is called the pushover by a band called idiot pilot they're one of my favorite bands ever um they had two albums and then they disbanded in 2010 they've just released their third ever album it's called blue bloods check it out on spotify i asked them for permission to use this song and they didn't reply so i took that to be a yes i really hope that i don't get sued for it um and i hope that you guys go and listen to the album and you know if it's not your thing or whatever i'd encourage you to go back and listen to their album wolves because that is really really cool um i'm still getting into blue bloods there's a lot of tracks on it that i do like and they also have this standalone track called the tale of a jet black swan which i may have used on the podcast before and they're just cool so um whatever if you don't like it you know fucking you do you that's 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 important too 
so there you go. I don't know when I'll be back. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Who knows? I really miss this though. So um, I don't know. Let me know that you're out there. Peace.